Oh God, your saving power sustains us in the dark nights of our lives. Your holy word guides us to restore our hope, our faith, our discipleship. Now open our hearts and minds to the presence of your spirit so that as your word is read and proclaimed, your light may lead us to new life with you. Amen. Our Old Testament lesson reading is from the book of Numbers, the 21st chapter. From Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people became impatient on the way. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why? Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent poisonous serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many of the Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord to take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a poisonous serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten shall look at it and live. So Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it upon a pole, and whenever a serpent bit someone, that person would look at the serpent of bronze and live. Our gospel lesson is from the third chapter of the Gospel of John, starting at the 14th verse. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. John 3, 16 may well be the most familiar, most quoted verse in the Bible. If you Google John 3.16, and you know I did, you'll find today I found 75 million 
references. 75 million. On the other hand, when that football player, Tim Tebow, etched that scripture in his eye black, well, I guess on his cheeks, right? For the 2009 BCS championship game, there were 92 million Google searches conducted for that term. What is John 3.16? That's according to the Palm Beach uh, Post. 92 million people did not know what John 3.16 meant, at least that many. I tell you, I have friends on Facebook that will say, who, somebody asked me, that, who is John Cage? Who, I would, I'd Google it before I ask somebody myself, but, but that's not what people do. But 92 million of them did look up John 3.16. Well, maybe that's a, a verse worth looking at closer for us. For example, who said it? In what context? Who'd they say it to? And what does it mean? Well, Jesus said it to Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Now, many times in the New Testament, especially in Matthew, Pharisees are the people plotting to trap Jesus. They're plotting and trying to get him, but remember, Nicodemus was an exception. He's mentioned three times in John's Gospel. First, talking to Jesus in the night in the passage we read. Second, in the seventh chapter of John, Nicodemus makes the case for fairness when Jesus is tried. They're trying him, and he says, no, wait a minute, our law does not judge people at first, giving them a hearing to find out what they're doing, does it? The third time he's mentioned is in the 19th chapter of John and that description of how the followers of Jesus prepared his body for burial. Nicodemus, who had, it says, Nicodemus, who had first come to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing more than a hundred pounds. So Nicodemus came to talk with Jesus in the night. Maybe like me, you've heard a, a number of preachers talk negatively about Nicodemus at the Pharisee who came to Jesus in secret at night when nobody could see him, staying out of trouble. But the late Peter Gomes, a preacher and writer I admired, noted that the, uh, the Bible is chock full of people like Nicodemus. Gomes wrote that the Bible's filled with a companionship of confused and seeking men and women made of the most ordinary stuff who often fail to understand, who make mistakes, whose humanity is transparent, but who encounter the living God and lives are thereby changed, transformed. Gomes describes Nicodemus as very much confused and uncertain when he hears Jesus say, you must be born again. Well, so too are many modern-day people, confused when they hear that phrase, born again. To many, it sounds like a statement of a Spiritual achievement, a destination at which you've already arrived as some sort of badge of spiritual and moral superiority. Well, Gomes said that to be born again is to enter afresh into the process of spiritual growth. It is to wipe the slate clean. It's to cancel, 
cancel your old mortgage and start again. In other words, you don't have to always be what you have become. He said it's, it's an offer you can't afford to refuse. So Nicodemus comes to talk with Jesus one night, and Jesus tells him he must be born again. And then he explains that just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. This lifting up of the Son of Man refers, of course, to Jesus being lifted up on the cross and coming to his Easter resurrection and also to his being lifted up into the heavens. Now, as a Pharisee, Nicodemus, he would have known, he would have been something of a scholar of the, what we call the Old Testament, some call the Hebrew Bible, so he would have known about that unusual story of the Israelites getting grumpy with Moses and grumpy with God. And they're facing a the plague of sorts of venomous snakes. He would have known about Moses being told to fashion a, a bronze snake for which those who were snake bit could look up and live. Nicodemus, Nicodemus may have been slow to understand that business of being born again but he knew what Jesus meant when he said in the 14th verse, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, and that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Then we come to John 3.16. In that verse, Jesus tells us three important things. First, it tells us that God initiates salvation. We are saved by God's grace, not by our action, or as Paul puts it in Ephesians, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not the result of work, so that no one may boast. Nobody can be that good to earn it. Secondly, John 3.16 tells us that Love is central to God. As the very next verse says, God didn't send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. It's love. Thirdly, John 3.16 tells us something about the scope of God's love. It encompasses the world, not just a people or a nation such as Israel or the USA, not just the good people who look like us, talk like us, agree with us, vote like we do, and know that North Carolina barbecue is the only kind that's eat, worth eating. <laughs> God's love is for the cosmos, the universe. So the question for us is, what do you love, light or darkness? The first chapter of John says, of Jesus that in him was life and the life was the light of all the people. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. In the 15th chapter of John, Jesus says to his disciples and to us, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, 
I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, Jesus says, that you love one another as I have loved you. Thanks be to God. Receive the good news. Christ is risen from the dead. Tell the good news. The power of death shall no more oppress us. Live the good news. We are free to love as God has loved us. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.